Good morning and welcome to the DIP, your daily inspirational podcast. I'm your host, Dr. P, and today's episode is brought to you by asparagus. It's good for you, but makes your pee stink. So let's talk about stress, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things it may be. Let's talk about stress. Okay, so I may not be that good at singing, but I'll tell you one thing I know very well, and that's the physical effects of stress on your body. So what is stress? Stress is basically the way you see the world around you. You begin to think about the life you live and the events that are taking place, and you either get an unpleasant sensation from all that thinking, or you don't. So in other words, you either manufacture the stress or you don't. And to be honest with you, that's really important because you don't buy stress. You can't go on the internet to Amazon and buy stress. You simply make it. And this is why some people champion others in relationship to their health because those who make a smaller amount of stress in comparison to someone else, they're just generally healthier. And that's why me, Dr. P., is here to try to shed some light on this for you so you can be healthier moving forward. So I want to give you an example of like thousands of years ago. Let's say that you were out on the hunt trying to, I don't know, kill something, a deer in the woods because you wanted to bring it back to your family. And this was your only way of, of really eating and supplying sustenance for the family. So while you're out there though, you start hearing crackling in the woods. You hear little branches that are breaking. You're like, what the heck is that? And before you can really come to the full understanding of what's happening, you hear this, like The Revenant. Remember that movie? Did you see that? The Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio? All of a sudden, there's the bear. And the bear is really scaring the crap out of you. And it should, of course, right? Now you're under tremendous stress. And in that moment, your body massively transforms into... Uh, into an organism that's ready to either uh, flight or to flight, to flee or to fight, one or the other. You probably heard of this. It's known as the fight or flight mechanism. So while you're out thinking you're hunting, something's hunting you. And that becomes incredibly stressful to you and your body responds to that by getting you ready to run or fight. There you go. There's a synopsis of that. Now, let's come back to modern day times. I'm not being chased by a bear because I don't hunt deer in the woods for sustenance. I simply go to Market Basket or Stop and Shop or any of these food chains that have food within them. And when I show up there, there's 9 million people and I've got someplace to be. And I'm looking at my watch, waiting for the lady in front of me to hurry up. And now I start to feel stressed. I start to think about I'm going to be late I start getting angry that this person in front of me is too slow, right? My brain doesn't know whether I'm being attacked by a bear or whether it's simply trying to get to another appointment while you're stuck in a grocery store. There's no difference to your brain. You understand? Stress is stress. The brain does not care about what the source is. It just knows that you're manufacturing it and your body will respond to it. Now, living under stress in short clips is okay. It was supposed to protect you from the bear. But let's just say, you know, you have a nine to five job, you work 40 hours a week, and you really don't like the people you work with. So you have stress at work. 
unlikely from the job, but more likely from the people that work next to you. So every day you go to work, you experience this release of stress hormone, this cortisol hormone that's entering into the blood, which is getting ready, getting you ready for a fight. You're like, a fight? I'm not fighting. Well, your brain doesn't care, again, whether it's the guy next to you who keeps clearing his voice or the woman next to you with flatulence at the office. Doesn't care. It just knows that you're not happy with that and you're producing a whole bunch of cortisol to protect you from that stress. So during that time, you release two main hormones, one cortisol, which helps to tighten up all your muscles and get all the blood into the muscles and brain. And the other one is called adrenaline, which makes your heart beat faster, your lungs work you know, really quickly to get more oxygen into the body for this fight that's really never going to come. So you're basically living day in and day out under a stressful event that makes it feel like you're in a battle with a bear in the woods. I mean, holy crud, you do that every single day and you're going to destroy yourself. So therefore, with that simple knowledge, you have to recognize that you will simply kill yourself out of complete fatigue and exhaustion by being stressed all the time, by making sure that your body responds to your negative thoughts. Well, what would happen if you just stopped thinking negatively? Well, would that reduce your stress? Yes. Would that reduce the release of the stress hormone, which is taxing your body, getting you to run from an invisible or imaginary bear? Yes. You're like, is that it, doc? I just need to think different? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, just to get you started, certainly. You got to look at the world in a little different light. But I want to tell you something else that's really important. This was out of a Harvard study not that long ago. And it really hit me hard when I, when I read it. I, I was psyched. I was out you know, lecturing across the nation and talking to big groups about how the first half of this conversation that I just gave you, how stress is killing you. Too much stress hormone is damaging you because it never gets reprieved. It's always being dumped into the bloodstream because you just can't seem to formulate a life and, and a perception of your life that's positive and happy. You're constantly on some level of negativity. But when this Harvard study had crossed my desk, it kind of really blew my mind. And it kind of go, it doesn't kind of, it goes like this. So I want you, to, want you to check this out. When you're under stress and you release all these stress hormones, the brain is actually secreting another hormone, which is the antidote to that stress. That's correct. You just heard me say it. The antidote to stress is released constantly as you're under stress. The problem with this is that the stress hormone is being released in really large quantities. So you feel that right away. My heart's pumping, my stomach's upset, my muscles are tight. This is all what it takes to fight a bear. But in your case, it's 2.30 in the afternoon, you got a headache because of the people that work next to you. But here's the key. Your brain, when you're under stress, releases a secondary chemical known as oxytocin. And that awesome little chemical is known as the Snuggle hormone. What's that? I I just called it snuggle. I meant to say cuddling. Let's call it both. Because when I cuddle, I like to be snuggling. So it's a snuggling, cuddling hormone. That little teeny hormone, or should I say the little concentration of that oxytocin hormone, is being released into your bloodstream and it's wanting you to become social. It drives you to go speak with other people and hang out with someone else that you can either talk to about the struggles in your life, or you can help them with the struggles in their life without them even knowing that you're under stress. 
what happens when, when you do that? The person that you're with is producing their own oxytocin in relationship to you. So now both of you are producing high levels of oxytocin because you're spending time together. And this could never be more powerful than when you hug somebody, someone that you care about even better. But even still, it could be a stranger with some sort of empathy and compassion. That little bit of a hug goes a long way to increase the production of the oxytocin. Now, what does oxytocin do? Wow, this is the coolest thing. Oxytocin dilates all the blood vessels around your heart. Those are known as coronary arteries. So the coronary arteries, when we're stressed, classically constrict because of the release of the adrenaline and the cortisol. That's true for each one of us. But in the moments of stress, if we then secrete oxytocin and listen to it and get out of your environment and go spend time with someone else, then the oxytocin levels go up. And what does oxytocin do in, re- in opposite relationship to the adrenaline? It doesn't constrict the blood vessels around your heart, but it dilates the blood vessels around your heart. And oxytocin is an antioxidant, which means that if you've ever had any trauma or damage to the heart and it needs repair, that's what oxytocin does. Oxytocin is one of those really feel-good chemicals. You've probably heard of them like dopamine, serotonin, endorphins. These are all things that are produced by your nervous system in your brain. So we want to take this chemical and we want to activate it. And if we do that, then we're going to help live stronger, healthier, more energized lives and just get more life out of the years that we have. So I want you to consider this. In relationship to cardiovascular disease and heart attack, if you will, who dies first, men or women? Well, the answer is men die five years earlier than their female spouse. So what's going on here? Well, think of this, right? A male and a female both have had, or should I say a husband and a wife, because I'm just going to go there for the moment and say a husband and a wife are undergoing some stress. One of their children is... Uh, having some major emotional and physical struggles. So during that time, both of those parents are under stress and their heart rate naturally goes up when they're under stress. The difference is, is that classically the female in the relationship will tend to take her emotions and then go share them with somebody, thereby increasing oxytocin levels Remember, oxytocin came out very, very small at first, but as soon as you activated the cycle to use the oxytocin by becoming social, the social engagement that you created magnifies the production of the oxytocin to a point where it starts to dilate your blood vessels and protect your heart. That's more classic what women do. Men, unfortunately, are opposite than that. They want to retreat into their, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Your, um, your metaphorically speaking man cave in your head where men want to retract and try to figure out what's stressing them out and what to do with it in their head. And this can take, at least by my own personal experiences in the past, up to a couple of weeks. And during that time, I don't want to talk to anybody. Men tend to want to just clam up and try to figure it out. Therefore, They don't take advantage of the antidote that's being secreted into the bloodstream known as oxytocin because they don't use it by becoming social and integrative. So their blood vessels around their heart stay constricted. And as a consequence, they damage the heart and they tend to die earlier by up to five years 
than their female spouse. Wow. What if men knew this? What if they were privy to this? I should say men, but I guess I am because of the clinical example I just gave you. But how about just all of us? When you're under stress, that's a human response. Okay. Now you could minimize that by trying to change the way you see it. But even in the moments when you just feel overwhelmed by something, what's the first thing you can do and should do? You should listen to your brain that's secreting the oxytocin and become more socialized. If you're a man and you don't want to talk about it, you don't have to. Just go help the neighbor mow their grass or put in a fence post or go throw the baseball or a football or whatever. I don't care. Just go do something that involves another human. And in doing so, your oxytocin levels go up and they protect your heart from sickness and disease. And you get to live a longer, happier, more fulfilled life, which then at least in my experience, helps you to think in a different way because you feel better about yourself, that you're caring for you, not somebody else caring for you. You're taking care of your own stuff. This is very, very important going forward in your life. Otherwise, you're going to take a bunch of medications to try to control what you are capable of controlling on your own. So I want you to think about this. Here's your homework assignment for the next 50 years of your life. Every day, whether you're under stress or not, hug somebody. If you've got a spouse, hug them. It takes about eight to 10 hugs a day to significantly increase the production of oxytocin to protect your heart. Think about meditating, singing songs in the shower, having a wonderful meal, going for a walk, doing yoga, hitting the gym. All these things are absolutely wonderful for you and they help to increase social engagement because one thing that we know for sure is that humans need each other. And when we're socially connecting with each other, we reduce the amount of stress hormone and we increase the amount of oxytocin, which protects us. And you will see demonstrable effects within just a week of changing your simple way of doing things. So remember, yes, stress is a killer, but don't worry because mother nature has outfitted you with an antidote known as oxytocin. And a good hug and some social integration and a little snuggle with your kitty cat or your dog at the end of the day are all the things that you need right in front of you to help control your heart, your blood pressure, and your general overall health. So I hope that helps you today because that's all I got. any rate, eat your asparagus even though your pee will smell. And this is Dr. P saying signing off. I'll see you next week on the DIP. DIP.